course, the question is, well, Dale, what are you going to preach on? Well, generally, I like to preach on maybe what I see is needed. That happens from time to time. And what's really needed in our world today is brotherly love. The love that we have for one another, especially those of the household of faith especially those that we see here on a regular basis, we want to reach out to one another with brotherly love. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Because sometimes people are difficult. Sometimes people are difficult to love. And it's not always easy to show your brother in Christ that degree of love that Christ has asked us to show them. It's also difficult to love those outside of Christ sometimes. To see them as a... As a a person that God loves throughout all the mess that they're in. Brotherly love is difficult. Love for our fellow man is difficult. Why? Because sometimes following our own fleshly thoughts and desires is easier. It's easier to dislike someone. Because disliking someone, you know, it, it just says to our minds that, hey, well, I don't have to interact with you. The problems you have are your own. I don't have to help you with that. And having that feeling of, of disgust, of disdain, however you might want to describe it, perhaps not as intense as hatred, perhaps too strong of a word, but as you have that feeling of you know, dis, dislike of this person, then nothing is asked of you. So it's easier to have that sort of feeling. Loving someone can be difficult because we just default to our natural preferences. But whenever you consider the alternative, whenever you consider the fact that we are called to love others, when that's the greatest command, right, is to love other people, we need to consider the wisdom that is there. We need to consider the fact that if this is the greatest command, then what's the payoff? Right? We have a return on our investment question as we look at nearly everything in our lives. But if we consider love versus at least disliking our fellow man, I think it's easier to see that love is easier. Loving someone is, is not quite the burden that we think it is. An American who was walking down the streets of a foreign land was greatly interested in the children many of whom were carrying smaller children on their backs and managing at the same time to play their games, kickball and soccer and other games such as that. It's too bad, the American sympathetically said to one little fellow, that you have to carry such a heavy burden. He's no burden, came the quick reply. He's my brother. When the American reached home, he said to his family, A little boy has taught me the fullest meaning of the words, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And he recounted the story. If a little boy can carry and care for his brother, and refuse to consider him as a burden, surely we ought not to think it a burden to carry our little brothers, the weak and the needy ones who... Look to us for help. Let us rejoice as we carry one and say by our actions, He's no burden. He's my brother. 
You have to be able to look at someone whose life is in shambles and say, I see you as a person throughout the mess that you're in, throughout your difficulties, and I love you and I want to support you with that brotherly love that we are called to love one another with. First this morning, let's look at the importance of brotherly love. Hebrews chapter 13, please. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Let love of the brethren continue. Here's one instance where the writer is talking about loving our brethren, but of course many of these uh, rules will apply throughout. Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show partiality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Brotherly love is for your benefit. Let this love continue. But in the next passage, it says, hey, also be mindful of strangers. Be mindful of strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Now this is a passage that probably, like myself, many of you have just kind of glossed over, not given it much thought. Well, let's look at it for a moment. Let's look at it. What's it mean when it says, many have entertained angels without knowing it? I believe the King James Version says, without with, unawares. Okay? Abraham is promised a son by messengers from God in Genesis chapter 15. Lot is saved from the destruction of Sodom because of angelic messengers of God just a few chapters later in chapter 19. God, in His miraculous ways, in the Old Testament here in these examples, sent messengers to convey something to the people, to, to help these two individuals out. And perhaps if you love your brother that you know, and perhaps if you love your brother that you do not know, the stranger that you're giving hospitality to, perhaps you'll learn something, and that'll be a benefit to you. I had such an occurrence many years ago. It was not miraculous, but it was definitely a time when God showed me something and taught me a great lesson. I was a youth minister in New Albany, Mississippi, still a student at Freed Hardeman University. I was an intern, and I was there living throughout the summer. I'd spend two months with them over the summer break, pretending to be a full-time youth minister as best I could. Well, while I was there, we had, you know, regular activities. I was full-time in that position, and we would have uh, activities throughout the week, and one such activity, you know, several students came, and we were going to have something, you know, after we ate, and everybody was leaving. Many of them had something to do. They came for part of the activity, and everybody was leaving, except for one little boy. He was about eight years old. And I said, I was talking to another one of the adults who also had to leave. It was just going to be me. And I said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll just, we'll call his mom and she can come get him. And he looked at me dead in the eye. He couldn't have been more than eight years old. And he said, Dale, are you stopping because I'm the only one here? Is that why you're going to end the activity, Dale? Punched me right in the gut and taught me a grand lesson. If there's one person who's there, it's important enough 
to do something with that one person. Because that event, the ministry, youth ministry in general, nearly all ministries in one way or another are about relationships. And let me tell you, the rest of that afternoon was time well spent. That was a messenger that I needed to listen to. And I learned a great deal. Brotherly love is for your benefit. Because when you apparently, whenever you sometimes love the apparently unlovable, they'll teach you something. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3 also tells us about brotherly love. Remember the prisoners, the Hebrew writer says, as though in prison with them. Don't just remember them. Oh, yes, yeah, such and such is in prison. But remember them as though you were there with them. What would you need to help you out if you were there? Empathy, right? Empathy and compassion. Remember them as though you're there. And those who are ill-treated, they might not be in prison, but they're ill-treated. During these days, perhaps that was someone who was a slave. Perhaps someone who didn't have a very good boss at their occupation. Since you yourselves also are in the body. So this is a new teaching, of course. These new Christians are learning that they are part of the body of Christ. And here the writer is trying to show them, remember those who are having a difficult time, is what he's trying to say. Because they're part of the same body that you're a part of. Because you love others, you will have compassion on them. You will minister to those who are having a difficult time. Compassion, empathy, prompts you to help someone in need. The woman caught in adultery. The people there brought her to Jesus, cast her down before him, and said, Lord, the, the, the law says we're supposed to stone this person. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to put her to death because of what she has done. And all of us know about it, Lord. What do you say? Jesus had compassion on this person. And he was able to minister to her. We have a prison ministry here. We help those out. Ask Brother Adam Shepherd if you're curious about what goes on with our prison ministry. We also help those in foreign countries. Many good things going on there as we help our foreign brothers and sisters in Christ, those in Honduras and in other lands. I do think, though, in general, as a society, we struggle sometimes with how to help our own poor, those who need to be ministered to. We may help someone here, and they may have a decent car or a nicer phone than you even, and you think, well, why does this person need help? And this is something that all of us individually struggle with as we consider helping other people. We become extremely judgmental in that moment. Well, we need to throw that burden off because we are not equipped to be someone's judge. Brotherly love says, have compassion on that person. And the poor ask for some reason. They're asking for help because they need help for some reason, one way or another. Are they taking advantage of the system? Are they taking advantage of your generosity? Maybe. But the verse says, remember the prisoners as though you were in prison with them. As though you were there. Someone who is in need, they're in a prison, so to speak. 
They're in a prison confined by things that they cannot do or, or get or, or have on their own. And, and have, they, have they made mistakes? Yes. They've made many mistakes and still making them. Brotherly love, though, compels us to think of that person and help them through that difficult time. That's why brotherly love is important because the opposite says, well, I, I can't help you. I don't, I don't, I don't want to help you. I don't want to be there for you. Brotherly love says no. If someone is suffering, think as though you're suffering along with them and help that individual out. What does brotherly love mean? Let's look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9. We know that brotherly love is important. Well, how do we go about doing it a little better? Well, we need to have compassion. We need to think of how it benefits us. It's easier to dislike somebody. It's easier to just write them off. We need to to love this person and cast off the shackles of you know, disdain for someone that we might not agree with on whatever level. Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, let's read this. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Brotherly love means that people should be authentic without hypocrisy. In other words, if I say that I'm going to do something out of love, I need to do that. If I say I'm a loving person, I need to show that with my actions. I've seen Christians standing up for what they think they should do, and people in the world will accuse them of not being loving. They'll say, you're not a very loving congregation. I I wouldn't want to go to where you go. I, I wouldn't want to darken your doors. And then they'll say in the next comment, let's go burn the church building down as some sort of of act of retribution. Of love? I think not. Many people cry love and they they fall into this, this dynamic here where their love is being hypocritical. They're disagreeing with the congregation, truth be told, trying to do something out of love. And they're saying, well, let's go... Let's go put these people down. Let's burn their church building down. It wasn't about us, by the way. It was about another church way away from here. But they are trying to say, oh, I love everybody. Let me come harm you. Paul tells the Romans, let love be without hypocrisy. If there was ever a group that could love one group and go after another, it would be the Romans, being the mighty power that they were in the day. And Paul is telling the Romans, if you're going to love other people, you've got to show it. You can't be evil in one sense and and, and good in another. If I tell you what the gospel says, I love you, me, myself, you, yourself. We love you more than people telling you what you want to hear. The Galatian congregation was a spiritually strong group, but they turned to their old ways. Paul even questioned in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 11, He even wondered if he had wasted his time. I may have wasted my time with you Christians because of how you've turned back to your old ways. Paul was really giving it to these people about where they were spiritually because they had really fallen. And he says in chapter 5 and verse 16, Have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? When people are told the truth, they accuse those people telling them the truth of hatred. And that's just simply not the case. The other part of Romans 12 and verse 9 says this, 
Abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. If I am to love other people, I am to differentiate between something that is evil and something that is good. I shouldn't just love everything, because if you love everything, then you actually love nothing. If you say that you love all kinds of pizza, well then, you can't differentiate between what a good pizza is and what a bad pizza is. What good barbecue is versus what bad barbecue is. If you abhor what is evil and cling to what is good, you'll see someone's behavior and say that's evil behavior that God warns against. And you'll see other people's behavior that is good and you'll say, I want to be more like those people. And there's a, a differentiation here that love says we have to have. So brotherly love means sometimes coming out and telling people what they need to hear. Brotherly love also means that I should be authentic. That we as Christians should be authentic. The first part here is, is about the world, that people should be authentic. But sometimes we read passages like this, let love be without hypocrisy. And we say, yeah, take that world. Take that you know, person at my, at my job who I'm thinking about right now. But this verse is talking about each of us as well. When Jesus was on this earth, he told people what they needed to hear. And it either angered them, or it made them rejoice. And this was love. He gave people what they needed, whether it be food or what have you. And they rejoiced and followed Him, or they rejoiced and left Him. But His love had no stipulations, no requirements. He looked at a person and He said, I love you and here I'm going to give you what it is that you need. Conversion and teaching would often come much later these people. But Christ was then, as we are today, planting a seed of love. What else does brotherly love mean? Let's look at Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. So if I love you with this brotherly love, that means that I'm devoted to you. That if you come to me and we have a discussion, if you have a need of some sort, I'm devoted to help you through that difficult time. And you're devoted to those that are around you as well. The other part of the passage says to give preference to one another. But rather, perhaps this might also mean anticipating one another. So if I'm loving you and I'm devoted to you, I'm going to anticipate what it is that you need. Do you get your spouse coffee in the morning? Do you fix his breakfast? Do you fix her breakfast? You are anticipating what you know that person needs. And maybe there's somebody here whose story that you know a little bit about. And you are anticipating what it is that they might need. The Christian is to take the initiative and show honor or respect to others without waiting for others to show it to them. You see, we, we, we want to talk about brotherly love, and, and we speak of that, but we're always, almost always, ready to accept it. But this passage is talking about giving preference to others. You've got to be the one giving that love before it is actually given to you. Try to beat the other person to loving them more than they may show they love you. Romans chapter 12, in verse 11 
not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit. This is our brotherly love. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. So as we look at this passage, we see that brotherly love is not lazy. Brotherly love is, is fervent in its spirit. Brotherly love, it, it perseveres. So these are the different characteristics. These are what we should be about as a congregation. Our ministries, our classes to one another should be doing each of these. We rejoice in hope that we have and, and we persevere. In the first century church, this was especially important because they faced great difficulty. We, we shudder to think about you know, the difficulties that we could face as Christians in the future. But looking back at our brothers and sisters way back to the first century, Man, do we have it good. Verse 13 is especially important whenever it talks again about hospitality, contributing to the needs of the saints. When, when somebody comes, a Christian, you know, the writer here, Paul writing to the Romans, whenever that Christian comes, show them hospitality. And this meant more than just having friends over. The reference is to a state of things in which the Christian was liable to be persecuted and driven from city to city. That's why hospitality was so important. These days, people have RVs, and stay in a hotel. You know, very rarely do we have somebody knock on our door and say, can I stay the night? That doesn't happen. But at one point, that was a common practice. And while, you know, our practices in this respect aren't going to change tomorrow, I hope that you see the level of commitment that the first century Christians had to have and what they were willing to give up. That's what the persevering is talking about. That's what the hope is talking about. Rejoicing through things, fighting through the tribulation that you're facing because if somebody came and knocked on your door during, you know, the time of this writing, it was likely they were running from somebody. It was likely they were running from somebody because they were a devoted Christian. And they would come knocking on your door, raining, cold, perhaps children with them. Can we stay the night? In your life at that point, you yourself, your life might actually be in danger at that point because you're helping this person. What do you do? Oh, there's no room. Oh, we, we can't help you. No, you know, we can't, we can't, we can't uh, spare anything to help you. I'm sorry, you just need to move on. Paul's telling you, telling the Christians then, telling the Christians now, be hospitable to those who need it, even though it might cost you a great deal. I have a difficult time sharing my Diet Coke with Campbell. To my credit, she'll take it all, or she'll chew the straw up, okay? Can't do that. But we need to sacrifice. You know, this goes way beyond a Diet Coke. I hope you see that. Diet Coke rations are one thing. But helping a brother or sister in their real time of need is another. If we are to have brotherly love, we have to sacrifice. And we have to be fervent. We have to be hospitable. Because that's how you help people. And that's how you show them the love of Christ. And brotherly love 
is difficult. We are to be patient, fervent, encouraging, hopeful, all of these positive words and reasons that I've explained this morning. Why? We are their ministers, showing them the love of Christ. This is not easy, as we must battle ourselves to do it. Somebody comes to us wanting something, and we have it to give, and we think, oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I'm able to sacrifice so much. And in reality, are you sacrificing all that much? To maybe even just be a, a listening ear to someone, a compassionate heart, brother or sister. Think of Job's friends who criticized him. They saw him, and you know they're supposed to love him through difficulties, and I may have a sermon soon about you know, some things that they did do. But one of the things we know that they did was they really looked down on him and they were judgmental and they said, Job, certainly you've done something. Job was having a difficult time and his friends who could have loved him through it said otherwise, Job, what have you done that's so evil? And Job at that moment realized he had to fight through this on his own. And some people just don't have that level of faith. Some people don't have that type of faith that they can get through it. Job came through on the other end stronger and better off but people today, if they don't have brotherly love and support, they might just check out. They might leave the faith. They might not come back because they're not finding that encouragement that they need. So Job needed support, but sometimes we argue with our friends as well. Are you argue, arguing with anyone, having a difficult time with them? Perhaps it's time to ramp up your brotherly love. Perhaps it's time to recognize how loving someone who's difficult to love is a good exercise for you. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all transgressions. I like how Peter said it as well. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. When you experience hate or judge someone, you start to fill in the blanks, don't you? Well, they're, they're over here living this life and they need my help. Well, they've done this and this and this and this. Are you sure about that? Sometimes we fill in the blanks of people that we don't fully understand their story. I'm sure you've, you've seen it online where you know what somebody is going through and then what you know about it. That's a tremendous illustration here. And what do we do? We start to fill in all of those blanks. Well, here's why, and here's what, making ourselves feel better about ourselves, justifying our own actions, perhaps our own sinful actions in light of somebody else's behavior. But what does Proverbs and, and Peter say? It says, love covers those things up. Okay, somebody's done something wrong, somebody's done something evil. If you love that person, you're going to look past that and see that person because then you're going to be able to reach them you're going to be able to bring them in and say, God loves you. And you can live a different life and you can live a better life. When you love someone, you overlook what they have done. And you look past their shortcomings. And one fantastic example of this is when the people came, the soldiers came to get Jesus. And the disciples, many of them ran but one of them, Peter, grabs a sword and he takes it out and he cuts off one of their ears in defense of Jesus, trying to take, 
Take him back. You're not going to take my Lord. I told him I wasn't going to give up on him, he said. But he draws the sword and he attacks someone. That's hatred that's stirring up strife. But Jesus told Peter not to do that. Put your sword away, Peter. It was love that overcame that sin. And love can overcome sin in your life as well. If you turn to Christ and and devote yourself to following Him, you can live a better life on this earth and you can have hope for eternity in heaven. If you're not a Christian, I hope that you'll come forward this morning. Let us baptize you so that you might be added to the body of Christ. Or if you are a Christian in need of prayers, please come forward now as we stand and sing to encourage you.